Welcome to Skills for Growth, the podcast for business owners in Greater Manchester. I'm Andy Hall, and in this final episode in the series, I speak with two guests about what the future holds for SMEs. Chris Fletcher is the Policy Director at Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce, and Richard Jeffrey is the National Director at The Growth Company. I really enjoyed this episode, listening to them speak so passionately about what they see on the horizon for businesses in the region. They both discuss why they're so optimistic about the future, talk me through some of the fantastic opportunities for our people and the support on offer. Chris, Richard, thanks for joining me on Skills for Growth. Okay, it's uh, good to be here. Yeah, great to be here with you, Andy. Really looking forward to the conversation today. Brilliant, thank you. So, I'm a business owner in Greater Manchester. Tell me, what do you see as the vision, your vision for the future of businesses in Greater Manchester? Uh, Richard? Greater Manchester's done incredibly well over the past 10 years. And I think that trajectory, that growth is going to continue and if not further accelerate. But within it, there's going to be quite a lot of changes coming for people uh, and for, for those businesses within that. I think we're still going to see that continued growth of those amazing health innovation companies, those tech businesses. We're going to continue to see that growth. You're going to continue to see some of those businesses establish, grow and attract in. And what I'm really looking forward to having a chat about today is how do we ensure that the people of Greater Manchester benefit from that growth? How do we make sure we've got inclusive growth as we go into the next decade? So I'm really excited about it. I've loved being part of what's happened over the past 10 years in Greater Manchester. Really excited to see what's coming. But we've got to, I think, be much more mindful about making sure that the population, the people, really benefit and those local communities are part of that growth. Mm, that's brilliant. Chris, what do you see? I think pretty much what Richard's uh, outlined there, you know, you've got some real key sectors uh, in Greater Manchester now, you know, the tech sector in particular, and you've got your digital creative sector going, you know, in a very, very strong place at the present moment in time. And that's not just Media City, that's that's beyond that. Uh, it's the whole infrastructure that supports it. And you've also got, you know, the existing businesses and you've also got these new new businesses coming through. As Richard said, you know, the health innovation bit uh, is particularly exciting and building on, you know, some of those world-class facilities that we've got in some of the universities and the businesses, the innovation that, that goes on. I think that's always been part of, of Manchester and Greater Manchester, hasn't it? That sort of innovation and, and let's get on with it. I think there is something, though, that, that we've got to say that while this is, I think, coming up to a time of, of real opportunity, totally agree with what Richard said. It's important that we maximise that. And I don't mean we make more money from it, although that would be a good thing. We've got to maximise the opportunity for the people in Greater Manchester, make sure nobody's left behind, you know, at a time when those opportunities do exist in, in greater numbers. So, yeah, it's been tough the last two years. Of course, it has probably some tough times ahead, but I think the opportunities, I think, you know, the, the, the second to none businesses I speak to, on the whole, very excited about what lies ahead. So that's positive. We've got to build on that and make the most of it for, for the people and for the, the, the businesses here in Greater Manchester. Yeah. I love how you both referenced the people of Greater Manchester. I think that's really that's really good to hear as well. And you mentioned Media City, Salford, you know, we see a lot of regeneration around the 10 local authorities. Um, as somebody who lives in northern Manchester, if you like, it's not all about the city of Manchester. So what, what insights do you have about the, the labour market around the whole of Greater Manchester, including those smaller towns? 
it's very diverse. I mean, even within each local authority, you, you've got very diverse labour markets. And uh, I think more than ever, we're, we're, we're seeing that whereby, you know, at one time, a particular area had a predominance, you know, for example, take Trafford Park, you know, at one time, that was a manufacturing and engineering powerhouse. Logistics, tech companies, all sorts of things now are, are, are moving into that space. Uh, so the labour market uh, is is very much different. But when you look at uh, some of the, uh, you know, the, some of the the, the largest sectors in, in Greater Manchester, the range and diversity of jobs now that are coming through in construction, you know, and uh, like I said, in, in engineering, in, in tech, you know, it's not just enough to say I work in the tech sector. There's a range of jobs that go with it and smaller and smaller areas where that specialism is really coming through. So the, the labour market is is really, really diverse, probably more diverse than, than it ever has been. That leads, of course, then onto issues that you need to make sure that you're linking it up effectively. And I think that's probably one of the challenges that we do face uh, over the next uh, years, uh, how to make that work properly and open up all those opportunities for people. It's no use being on the edge of somewhere that's got a huge opportunity in a particular sector if you can't access it. And I think that's crucially important. Yeah, that that's really interesting. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Richard, just thinking about how do we, Greater Manchester, that is, stack up against other regions, cities up and down the country on a national basis or even potentially internationally? What do you see slightly differently about what we do here? I think it's really interesting uh, looking at Greater Manchester and what it's achieved and its reputation and uh, I've started a new role recently, focused more on a, a national perspective, and that's given me a really useful insight to see what, what Greater Manchester's got. Congratulations. Uh, it does have this incredible, incredible collaboration. It has uh, an incredible mindset of working together that you don't quite find in the same way in other localities. And that's something that I think is worthy of kind of exploration. And it's something to be really, really celebrated, not taken for granted, but really celebrated. And that for years has been an absolute commitment for public and private to continue to work together and really make it effective. And you can see that manifest in so many different things. You know, the fact that it was one of the first combined authorities, we were one of the early adopters of the uh, Metro mayors. The, the tram system that we've got, a very physical embodiment of trying to connect up and join the desire to, to, to get the buses working and, and the buses not, not the, uh, not always the, the top of the list, but actually really crucial to get the whole system fully integrating and working well together. So I think that, that structure, that infrastructure and that sense of collaboration does make Greater Manchester stand out over and above other other competitors. But look, we, we can't rest on our laurels. And yeah, there's still some really big challenges that the city faces. There's still some really big pockets of deprivation. And you know, we've seen over time, you know, the 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 average wage going up, but not necessarily the average wage of local population matching that growth as people have come in and 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 commuted in and it's become a real hub. And whilst that's to be celebrated that we've got these new roles there's clearly some people missing out on that growth so i think that's the key thing that we've got to focus on and making sure that people can continue to be to be part of that growth so yeah i think i think it's great it's a great place i love living here i've been living here for many many years 
I don't think I can call myself a, um, a mank yet. I don't think I ever will be able to call myself uh, a mank. And uh, I was at the uh, Stone Roses gig a while back and they said, just, um, you know, who, who hears from, from Manchester? I said, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, just because you're from, uh, just because you live in Manchester doesn't mean you're from Manchester. So. Oh, you're a, so you're a charlatan, another I Manchester band. I am. Do <laughs> yeah, you see what I did there? I think, I think there's something else as well in this as well. There's a sense of pride as well that people have in, in the city, in the city region. And again, you're, you know, no matter where you go in the world or no matter where you go in the country, people are always like, oh, yeah, I live in this place and it's the best for this, that and the other. To a certain extent, I think you said it again, you know, we, we sometimes take some of this stuff for granted, what's actually happened in Manchester. Uh, and, and you know, sometimes it's worth just remembering, you know, what what you know, the history of the place what happened, you know, everything else that goes with it, uh, the culture of it and everything like that. And I think that that engenders a sense of pride in there, which then plays out for future generations to say, yeah, actually, they did well, but you know what? Well, let's do it better. And it's that little sort of, I guess, you know, pride and a bit of sort of cheekiness, I think, in, in there as well, which which, which sets, uh, sets it apart, really, from a lot of other places. And, you know, talk about that cheekiness. I was in the... Um... Uh, the museum with my kids the other day looking at the buses. Uh, there's the transport museum, fantastic oh, yeah. place. But you're in there, and there's an advert for you know Manchester's bid to be the Olympic Games host. And you think, wow, that was pretty cheeky back then. It was, but oh, it was yeah. ambitious. And actually, I think that ambition has flowed, flowed, flowed all the way through. And if we hadn't had that ambition, we wouldn't have had the Commonwealth Games. We wouldn't have all the other things. And you know, I was reflecting the other day where. Yeah, I remember some meetings where there was a desire to say, let's make Greater Manchester a real tech hub, a real hub for, for tech development. And, and you know, that was a vision. But through a whole raft of things, from Media City and the investment the BBC made in its tech team, the attraction of, you know, Amazon Web Services and a whole lot of other people, the growth of indigenous firms, you've got the Hope Group, you've got others, a whole e-commerce space. We have become an incredible centre for tech here in, in the city. And, you know, it was something that was kind of came out during uh, during lockdown was that, you know, it was the fastest growing tech hub in Europe. And, you know, that got a little bit passed by and understandably because we were focused on other things, but an incredible centre. It set the vision and it achieved it. And there's not that many places that set a vision and kind of not just aim to achieve it, but actually do achieve it. And I think that really sets this, this place apart there's others that are doing amazing stuff as well around the country but but i think that is something that that and there's lessons to be learned from it uh, and they all and funnily enough they all aspire to be manchester at some stage or, or another in the things it's, it's very rarely you go to some of these other places uh, and in their plans it's not you know they don't hear the phrase like manchester has or like a manchester is doing or whatever it is you know it's it's become a thing it obviously isn't as easy as just you know clicking your fingers and just blindly follow what, what, what we're doing up here. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's good when you hear that. And I think sometimes, again, you know, you, you, you get a little bit used to it doing the jobs that we do uh, because you're in it, you know, all, all the time. But it's, it's good sometimes when you hear it just to sort of take stock really and think, yeah, there is an awful lot that, that has gone on here and an awful lot, you know, more to come. But, but there's also a lot of collaboration we can do with those other places as well, Chris. Oh, isn't absolutely. There's yeah, also a yeah. lot we can learn from other places as well. Absolutely, and, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you look, you know, we, we, as I said, we've still got challenges with pockets of deprivation. We've still got challenges with, you know, where we are in terms of productivity, you know, and, and you've seen some places around Europe actually 
leapfrog uh, when I go to look at Leipzig. You know, it's a really interesting example where because of all the investment that was made, it's gone from a productivity below that of Greater Manchester to higher. And, you know, there's lessons to be learned. So we haven't got all the answers, but we have got some th- great things to build on. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, people talk, don't they, about the sort of Manchester swagger and you've got an image of Ian Brown and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, Liam Gallagher and whatever in, in mind when you say that. And I think there was a time when arrogance sort of led the way with anything to do with it. And, you know, we're the best because naturally we just are, aren't we? I don't think there's as much of that around these days because I think of that point that other places are, you know, nipping at your heels. And, you know, it's, it'd be a sad day when, you know, a great city region like ours stops trying to find out what's going on elsewhere to make ourselves better uh, just because we assume we are the best. I think those days have, have long gone now and uh, I think there's a more, more practical approach to things. You said something before, Richard, about, you know, it's not a time to rest on our laurels and, you know, we we, we seem to be quite keen to see what other people are doing as well is this a i mean this sounds like a pivotal time now you know so we we've just had a pandemic you know we're coming out of a we're coming out of a lockdown you know we, we we've had some you know challenging times in manchester you know and you know the the rise of like the worker bee you see on you know, people's tattoos and all over cars and all over the streets you know there's a real unity but is it is this a time to be optimistic or are there things to be pessimistic about as well what's what's your view on that richard well, first of all, I've always wondered if Chris has ever had one of those tattoos. So uh, Def- definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do. bet you are, Andy. Can you see it? Then? So um, there you go. Definitely a time to be optimistic. Definitely a time to look to the future with renewed vigor. And you know, I was reflecting on this the other day. I go back to, if I can, back to 2011 when we set the growth hub up, and. Quite frankly, Andy, there was a few people that laughed at me when I did that. You know, it was kind of the height of that recession, just after the financial collapse. And there was this, um, I had walking around Manchester saying, we're going to set up the growth hub. And, you know, there's a few people that laughed at me, good luck with that and come back to us when you've done something. Well, well, sure enough, we did do it. But, But the point is, at that time, those businesses that took a positive approach, those businesses that invested in their leadership, their staff, their products, tapped into new markets at a really difficult time and found a way around how they got the cash and everything. They did it and they've gone on and grown. And I think it's really important to remember that whenever there's difficult times, it's those businesses that have that right mindset, the right can-do attitude and say, no, I'm going to go and find these opportunities. So it's an incredible time to be optimistic. And indeed, go back um a couple of, uh, you know, go back 18 months. There were businesses then, the, the pandemic hit, they quickly pivoted. And whilst they were pursuing an international opportunity at the time, going to multiple markets physically, that stopped. And you saw some businesses kind of pull back, say, oh, well, we'll come back to that later. And other businesses said, no, do you know what? I'm still going to go for it. I'm just going to find a different way of getting there. And it, we run something called the Global Scale-Up Programme. And on that, we've got a whole load of global partners who said, yeah, we'll introduce you, we'll make those connections. And some businesses went on and did amazing things during that time. Uh, so actually, you know, you've got to look at your own individual kind of circumstances and look for the opportunities, no matter what's going on around you. So, and as we come out of the pandemic, building on that base, I'm, I'm really excited to see, A, who else we're going to attract to the city? What are the you know, domestic indigenous firms are going to continue to grow? And uh, which, you know, which sectors you're going to see really emerging. We've got an amazing fintech space 
We've got some other brilliant, you know, health innovations uh, and, and some other elements of advanced materials that I can see really coming to fruition over the course of the next uh, decade. So, yeah, definitely an exciting time. But there will be some sectors and some bits of industry that, that, that will suffer and, and will, won't necessarily part be part of that growth. So there will be adaptation for some and some sectors that are doing well. They're going to change. And we've seen that. Uh, I mean, look at the past 18 months, how much things have changed. So, yeah, definitely positive. But, you know, you've got to change to be part of that 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 growth. Yeah, that that's really optimistic. I mean, this is the Skills for Growth podcast. And, we, you know, this is focused on those skills we can transfer into the people of Greater Manchester, because this is what it's all about now. Are there gaps or risks that we we might have been blindsided about, Chris? I think there are. I mean, it's interesting when you have you speak to businesses about skills, you know, jobs, recruitment. They say, well, you know, the stock standard is where we can't get hold of the staff with the right skills. And that usually covers a, a, a multitude of issues there, to be quite honest. I think part of the problem sometimes is actually drilling down and getting a little bit more specific about what that actually is, you know, because... The next line of that conversation usually is, well, we just want people to be work ready. I don't know what that means, work ready, to be quite honest. It, it, it means different things to different people. But somebody being work ready in a highly technical job, uh, for example, you know, a, a machinist in an engineering company, is different from somebody being work ready uh, that maybe, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, working in a coffee shop. You know, and there's different skill sets. There's different things in that. And I think we've sometimes in the past just got into that point of, yeah, we just need young people, especially, to be work ready. It's not just young people and it's not just being work ready. It's the entire population, you know. Um, you've got all sorts of age groups. You've got all sorts of people at different levels. Some people never had the opportunity to train up, to find out, you know, get those better skills for whichever job they want to do and never had that that chance to do that. So I think in the past, I think we've unfortunately tended to just bundle everything into that one basket and that's not helped. And I think over the last, certainly over the last 18 months with, with what we've been through, and I think a little bit before that as well, we were getting a little bit wiser to this to say, hang on a minute, that's not good enough. You know, if you're a business owner, it's just not good enough to say we want people that will work ready. What does that actually mean for you? Because you can guarantee if that business in that sector has got that problem, I'll show you another 50 that have got exactly the same. And it, it's it's been hidden away a little bit. So I think what we need to do now and what this is, is really digging in deeper with those businesses to say, what does that mean what can you offer? What do you need? And also, you know, what is your role in this as well? I've said this in the past as well to about people that business owners are saying, oh, skills issues are somebody else's problem. Actually, it's your problem as well because you play a part in it as well. So I think under this, we, we've really got a, a different dynamic beginning to appear now that hopefully we'll begin to put some of those shortcomings, uh, you know, make, make them right. I think you're absolutely spot on with that, Chris. And I think you know, there has been traditionally a view of, oh, well, the universities aren't doing, you know, I've heard this many, many times from employers, I need X from the university, I need Y from the schools, it's their problem. It's a collective issue that we've got to look at. And it's only going to work if, yes, there may be some changes that need to take place in some of that aspects of schooling, some of the experiences that, that students get and they're linked through to understanding the opportunities that are there. Yes, there might be some changes within the 
education system. But I think the big area to look at is those changes that need to take place within businesses and recognizing that they're part of the solution and that they could be a really active part of that, that journey. And you know, you've only got to look at it, the tech sector and yeah, huge gaps all you know has been for some time now. And that's partly down to some of the success I was just talking about. So you've got big gaps in the in, in the tech sector. But solving that is complex in terms of yeah, you can get people through training courses, but you can get to a certain point, but everybody wants that top-end developer, they want that 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 global one star to come in. Well, there's only a few of those around. So there's got to be an element of growing your own, developing your own. And I think it's about working hand in hand to make sure that those individuals can, yeah, sure, maybe go on the boot camps, maybe go on some of the other courses. But then when they're getting into business, there's a really supportive environment for them there with continued development. And I think that's the key that we've got to, got to really crack is that transition. If someone's maybe joining a new growth sector at a school or university or shifting careers. And I think that's a re- another really interesting kind of topic for us to look at. But there's definitely a role for businesses to think and be really mindful about the experience of those people developing within their business. I think, I think sometimes as well, people say, oh, businesses want to own the skill system. No, they don't. What they want is the, the products from a good skill system that recognises what those problems are. They feed into it to say we actually need you know, X, Y, Z, you know, ABC is not good enough now. We need X, Y, Z for the future. So it's not about owning that skill system. Uh, it's more about, you know, making sure they've got access to the skilled staff and the people that come out of it. And again, just going back to one of the points we started off with, if you get that right, that then is that inclusive growth bit. That then is that bit that is picking up, you know, all the communities that we've got out there in Greater Manchester. Some people farthest away from the job market will suddenly become a whole lot nearer and have access to those opportunities there. If you get that right, you really are on, on you know, the right way for, for having a very successful uh, city region in, in the future. And we've got to make sure that people from across the whole of Greater Manchester feel that when they see these tower blocks going up and businesses coming in, they've got a route into that. Uh, and I think there's a, a lot of things that we need to look at, but there's this notion of, well, that's there and we're here. No, there is a route in and it's down to all of us, but there's a big role of businesses there to, to, to play a role in just showing that actually there is a route. It's really interesting you mentioned, you mentioned that about the role of the business. So let's just say I'm a, I'm a business owner and I'm at this pivotal moment in time when we've we've got an opportunity to shape the future of Greater Manchester. What do I do? What is my role now in this shaping of the future? Ring the growth, go up and join the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Job done. Yeah, yeah. I, I say that slightly flippantly, but, but I think there's some truth in that, in that lean into the networks that are there. There is an incredible body of people around Greater Manchester that can support you and support your journey and help you access the bright bits of those networks. It can be really, really hard as an SME business owner to know where to go, who to go to. You hear these things about retrofit, about health innovation, about all these big terms. And you think, well, what, how do I get into that? Or how do I find out more? Actually, there's a lot of people out there who can help you navigate that system. You know, the growth of the, the skills for growth team, the chambers there. There's other membership bodies available as well, if Chris doesn't mind saying that. But, you know, all can work collaboratively to help you navigate that. and. 
you know, it's definitely one of the best places to be to have that that journey. This partnership and collaboration again is is again part of the sort of DNA within the city region, you know. And uh, if uh, if a particular group can't help you, they will know somebody who can. You know, it is it is as as close knit as that really. Um, so I guess really, you know, the the message uh, is, you know, don't don't sort of sit there and tear your hair out. Just get in touch with one of the bodies. Uh, you know, like I said, <laughs> contact the growth hub. Join the chamber, join whichever business organisation you want to, but ask and take part. You know, get get involved. Don't just sort of make an initial contact and sit on it. There is evidence that this stuff works. You know, the help, the support, the services that we've got in Greater Manchester does make a difference. Uh, but um, you know, sometimes people look at you when you say things like that as though, yeah, oh yeah, right. You know, sort of snake oil sort of salesman coming up, this, that, and the other. Uh, like we just point at people and say, "Yeah, they did this. They've done that, etc." So we've all got, you know, these uh, these sort of uh, fantastic businesses, but they've all had to start from somewhere, and they got the help. And the ones that go ahead faster, the ones that progress faster, the ones that have got, you know, good staff, the ones that have got staff that are, are, are happy to work and and you know put that extra bit in and on one thing and another they're the ones that have gone out and made the effort to uh, to make those connections so it is absolutely crucial and like i said there's just so much on offer as well i mean we could probably spend the next three or four hours talking about what what individual organizations can offer people there is an awful lot out there and again, sometimes there's a, there's a misconception that, it, oh, it's only for the big boys or it's only for this, like one thing or another. There's a wide range of of, of, of support out there now for, for all sorts of business. Uh, just ask, you know, you don't ask, you don't get, you know, you may not get, even if you ask, it obviously depends on, on certain things, but at least ask the question. And if there's somebody out there that can help you in any way, shape or form, you know, between us collectively, the, the sort of, you know, group of organisations in Manchester, Greater Manchester, will, will, will point you in the right direction. And I think it's also worth mentioning, you know, it's not just about those organisations supporting those business leaders. There's a lot of support out there for and structured environments for business leaders to support other business leaders as well. You know, we've got Greater Manchester's mentoring offer. We've got the peer networks programmes. We've got a whole range of stuff where actually you can get that sort of look, it can be a lonely business setting something up and driving it through and, and growing it. And I can certainly testify to that. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do the sort of some of the things I've done if I didn't have a group of people around me that I can lean into and check and balance and look, I'm thinking about doing this. Am I mad or is it? And sometimes it's, whoa, steady. Or actually, why are you wanting to do that? Do you, you know, some really good reflection points that you can get from some of the uh, from mentors and definitely has been really important to me. But also, you know, we said at the Peer Networks programme where people can lean into it to one another and you get groups of people supporting each other and Jane and others have been involved in that. And uh, that has been a very powerful network. So, yeah, I think there is support out there and it's not just support from the bodies, but there's really good structures to learn from others who've been through some of these. And it's really wonderful when you see people who have, you know, perhaps come from a place of there's some challenges, some difficulties, and they've seen others doing it. And all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, that's how I can adopt digital. That's how I can get through this journey. That's how I can uh, support my staff. And, you know, topic of today's um, conversation, talking to business owners, one of the really big challenges they face is how they bring on their staff. 
existing staff, how they support them, how they put some of those structures in place and, you know, skills for growth, GM employment charter, it's all there to help you run a better business. And so uh, I think there's, there's a lot more demands on what it means to be a leader these days. There's a lot more asks from staff and expectations from staff, especially people coming into the workforce and coming back into the workforce post-COVID. And I think it's just a great time for businesses to look at their existing staff, look at what they've got and say, what more can I do to really empower these folk and get them ready for all of the changes that are bound to be coming down the line as technology changes, as other things kick in, as the um, environmental challenges we face become ever more present. So there's a huge load of challenges. We've got to bring the teams with us on that journey and empower them to support you as a leader to, to go forward. So yeah, really interesting in, in space, but a lot of support to help you do that. Great that you mentioned mentoring and peer networks, you know, two programs very close to my heart. Um, I love the fact that volunteer mentors want to support the business community. You know, and you, you know, I've alluded to this last 10 years, this decade since the, the business growth club's been around. And the very first program was what, Richard? It was indeed mentoring. That was the uh, Great. first thing you put in. So, That's yeah. the top answer. Um, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so pleased about that. Um, but it's, it's great to see every day that there are, there are business leaders, business owners who've gone, you know, I've had, a, I've had a little bit of success. I'd like to share that with the rest of the business community. And again, on the peer networks as well, there will be, you know, 10, 11 people on these calls who say, I've got experience of that. I'll share that with you. I don't want anything for it. I don't want consultancy fees. I don't want anything at all. I just want you to survive as, as my fellow business owner, if you like, you know, as part of my community. Uh, so that's really good to hear. Um, I just wanted to, before we wrap up the program, um, I wanted to just circle back to something which has been touched on, but I don't think we've gone into a lot of detail on this. And this is almost like the changing attitudes of the workforce a little bit. We're, we're talking about a really difficult time. We've come out of a pandemic, you know, we've got an aging workforce, if you like. People are starting to change roles a lot more often than before. Um, we've heard Maria talk about this, where we were looking potentially at mass resignations, people reducing their hours, people wanting to work from home. Chris, what have you seen? What insights have you got in this particular area? I think it's a real time of flux uh, for, uh, for for the workforce. Um, speaking to a lot of business owners, again, this whole idea around the sort of hybrid working model, everyone uses this phrase. What does it actually mean? There isn't there isn't one model. It it, it really is dependent on 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 each individual business. I mean, personally, at, at, at the chamber, all staff are now working four day weeks. That's not a temporary measure. Just over the last eighteen months, we've now gone on to a four day week, uh, which you know had a bit of a salary cut and whatever, but it's absolutely fine. Uh, it's it's great for your work life balance. I think what what the last eighteen months has said, and really we, we've again. It sounds like everything was absolutely perfect and nothing happened, you know, before March last year. Really, 18 months have compressed a lot of things into a very, very, you know, probably a decade of change. And I think what that has done is it's really opened up a lot of people's eyes to, well, there is a different way we can work. And I think what we've got to do is make sure that the aspirations of the employees match up with the want of the employer because it's all very well to say oh, i'll just pop in the office one day a week or i don't want to do this i want to work at home or one thing or another it's got to work for everybody in 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 that scenario and again just going back a couple of months and people were talking about you know the whole work from home bit and one thing or another 
you know, I, I think it was probably as, as damaging to people to say, you know, if you're an employer, well, you are working at home permanently now, as it was to, we want you back in the office full time. You know, those are the two extremes. I think whatever this looks like will will you know be somewhere in the middle. But I don't think anybody has got the answer yet to what that actually is. But I do think we're seeing now the power shift a little bit more to the employee in that as well. It's interesting because um, Richard mentioned, you know, the good employment charter before and, and some of the aspirations behind that. So this is something that's really beginning to focus and Greater Manchester was looking at this two or three years ago when this first started. So it's now, you know, really beginning now to look at that workforce and saying, you know, maximise the opportunity, obviously, but we've got to make it work for everybody. That includes the employees, that includes the employers as well. If we get that right, again, that's a really good starting point uh, to build forward. But again, you know, having conversations with business owners, it's different depending on who you're talking to, what that actually looks like. But there is that recognition that things will change. Everyone you speak to will say, it's probably going to take about 12, 18 months before we work out what this actually looks like, before we work out what the implications are. So it's happening, it's changing. We just don't know what that end picture actually looks like yet. We may never will, who knows, uh, but it is changing. I think the key, uh, picking up on that point, Chris, is about flexibility now, isn't it? Yeah. And leaning in and understanding your workforce, what they want, what they expect. And it's been really interesting seeing some companies go through a transition. I've been very traditional. You come in, you work for us for your life, and then you go. And it's all been kind of the employer to the employee, almost a parent-child type, type relationship. It's just not the way it is now. And, and it's better for it now, but it does put more emphasis on both parties to really understand one another and think and be clear on what the expectations are, making that, that realistic as well from an employee point of view. But as an employer, creating some of those forums and, you know, you get people turning up now and it's the, the first question often isn't what you're going to pay me, but it's what's your EDI policy? What's your flexible working policy? Have I got a voice when I come and work for you? You know, what's your health and well-being policies? All of those things that are so important to get right in a business now that weren't necessarily as high if you go back five, 10 years ago. But there's an expectation and that was coming from, from a workforce saying, look, I expect a broader set of things from you as an employer. And those employers that get it right are the ones that are attracting the talent. And it's, it's a really difficult market out there because, you know, there are gaps. And there are opportunities for, for individuals, but there's gaps in getting the right talent in the right place. You've got to make sure you've got a plan for this stuff and a development plan for those individuals. Individuals want to know, you know, where am I going and how am I progressing? You've got to have that in place. And that's what Skills for Growth, I'm really, really pleased to see that program's in place because it's giving us the intelligence, it's giving us the insights, but it's helping business put some really practical plans in place to address all these issues that we've been talking about. We've had some fascinating guests on the podcast show so far. Um, and I think this is a really great way to finish this current series um, because we've had some great insights. We've had some great tips. Um, I'm going to challenge you both now. I'm going to ask you to use your crystal ball. We've talked about the last 10 years, but this is about the future of Greater Manchester. So I just want you to think, and if you can, in, in one or maybe two sentences with your crystal ball, tell us what the future of Greater Manchester business looks like. Who wants to go first? So I'll jump in on that one. Then. <laughs> um, Very brave. So inclusive, 
growing, innovative, and really importantly, internationally focused as well. Open to ideas from elsewhere, but equally sharing some of those ideas globally. Brilliant. Thank you, Richard. And Chris, how would you live up to that? Uh, I'm just going to say that's a, that's a hard act to follow. Um, <laughs> one, one part of me says we want to see more of the same, but it's a higher level. So in other words, the great stuff we've already got, but more of it and done properly and done right. Because, you know, we don't get everything right first time. Nobody does. It's, it's absolutely impossible. Uh, so I think, I, think, I think that's a key, a key one. I think one as well whereby people feel they belong. And in that, this isn't just business, but I think, I think there's still this bit whereby you know Greater Manchester is little bits all around, and what is Greater Manchester, and what does it actually mean? Again, the more you you work in this, the more it's easy to to express that. But I think once you get that sense of belonging there, I think that'll give it that boost as well. So that that pure, that real clear identification of what it is. I'd like to think as well that we really grab back some of some of the mojo, as it were. So you know, we we talk about we want to be you know, uh, do great things, for example, around electric vehicles, do great things about, you know, connectivity in one thing and another. You know, let's be world leaders in something. Let's really, you know, stick our flag in the ground and say, if you want to go anywhere in the world that's going to be a leadership at this, this is where you come. We've already made a start. We've seen it in the local industrial strategy. We know where we've already got that advantage. What we really need to do now is really get everything behind it to make sure that we're not just really good at it, but we're the best at it. And that, again, isn't being, you know, arrogant or boastful or whatever it is. If you do stuff like that, it's got benefits in Greater Manchester for those businesses already and those people already here. But I'll tell you something, it certainly puts you on the world map and attracts more in. And once you get that model right, it works. Uh, so it's not beyond, you know, the capability. It's not beyond, it doesn't sound ridiculous. We can do it, but we've just got to make sure that we, we stay focused on some of that. Brilliant. Absolutely love that. I just want to thank you personally, uh, not just for the show, but for everything you've done for Greater Manchester and businesses. I've thoroughly enjoyed this series and especially this particular podcast. Uh, so from me to you and from everybody else at Skills for Growth and GC, Richard, Chris, thanks for joining me on this podcast at Skills for Growth. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for listening. Please follow Skills for Growth in your podcast app. And if you have time, leave us a review or rating. For more information about preparing your business for the future, visit skillsforgrowthsme.co.uk. See you next time.